Awesome. There'll come a day. There'll come a day. He grab your Bibles, turn to Revelation 20. We'll probably get there. For sure, Isaiah 53. Um, you know what it's, is? We know there's a day the Lord's coming back. We know that. He rose again. He will return. Uh, and uh, we get excited about that. But Jesus said that it's like labor pains upon a pregnant woman. My grandson, Liam, was supposed to come on June the 1st. My daughter-in-law is in the hospital right now, and it could be any moment. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? And I'm about to become a grandfather again. Uh, but I am, well, thank you. What they're trying to do, though, is hold off. Uh, they need to get him a little bigger, a little stronger, and so Jill is just, they're doing everything they can to wait, and I want to say to Jill, who's going to be listening to this on the podcast and the video, we're, we're, my heart's with you, and uh, uh, I know you'll do great, and, and, and the baby will be okay. But here's what I guess is, you never know when it's going to happen. I mean, doctors could say, well, we think June 1st, well, they know that that's not an exact moment. They could say, it just happens, doesn't it? I mean, life happens that way, death happens that way. Uh, one of my really, really good friends, it was a Sunday morning, he got up, said to his wife, I'm up early, I'll go blow off the leaves off the driveway real quick and then come back in and he never came back in. He was out there and boom, just dropped. You just never know when it's going to happen. Life, birth happens, death, it just all comes. And on this resurrection day, we need to think about what really matters and about this thing called eternity and that's what I want you to grab hold of. So let's pray and we'll dig into that. Father, I pray you'd guide us right now into thinking about what we need to think about. Grabbing hold of what matters, knowing that, Lord, at any moment we could be called uh, to be with you, to face you, hopefully to be embraced by you or to be judged. But I pray we'd be ready and I pray today as we realize, Lord, you conquered death, we would celebrate with you and want to be in on that. In Jesus' name, amen. I was intrigued by this. Uh, the Lou Harris Company did a poll in December of 2008, just this past December, and asked this question. Who's your favorite actor or actress? Now, it's interesting. The top three spots were all men. Uh, but as a matter of fact, I got to tell you, I was a little surprised by it because, you ready for this? In number three, number three favorite actor was a tie between Will Smith and John Wayne. Are some of you surprised John Wayne's on the list in the top three? For some of you who don't know John Wayne, that, oh well, uh, in that wild, number two, you might guess Clint Eastwood. Number one favorite actor in the United States today, Denzel Washington. I think that's kind of interesting. Now you might say, Chuck, why were you even looking at that? Well, here's why. I wanted to know, what do people think happens when you die? What do you think happens when you die? I get people ask me that all the time. They come up and say, Chuck, you know, I'm even a Christian and or do we sleep? Do we, you know, what happens when somebody dies? And I'm not kidding. I get asked that question quite a bit. Obviously, I get asked that question when death hits a family. Well, what happens to them? Where are they now? Well, and here's the point. Jesus came and lived this amazing life, and he rose from the dead so that he would usher in a victory over death. He actually came to conquer death. Now, he wanted to die and forgive us of our sins and heal us of our hurts, and we're going to talk about that. But ultimately, ultimately, he wanted to take away the sting and pain of death, we're told. And so what happens when someone dies is a very interesting question. And we're a, a very interesting society today. Matter of fact, I don't know if you're intrigued by this, but according to the Lou Harris Company, again, December of 2008, 80% of the people believe in the God of the Bible. 
uh, in the United States. 73% believe there's a heaven and that they'll probably go there. 71% believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 70% believe he really did rise from the dead. Which, by the way, is interesting. More people believe they'll go to heaven than Jesus did. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Uh, how about this? 70% believe that there is something that comes later, but they're not sure what. And then how about this? 68% of the people in the United States believe in hell. They believe in hell. Here's what's interesting. More people believe in hell than evolution. Only 47% of the people believe in evolution. And, and 68 believe in hell. Uh, a percent believe in hell. And the 68% who believe in hell think all the evolutionists will go. No, not really. Uh, <laughs> what is this all about? See, what happens when you die? This is kind of interesting. 27% of the people believe in something called reincarnation. Now, I already know you know what that is. But 25% are convinced they've actually had a past life already and somewhat remember it. And that's just kind of interesting. Is that really true? Uh, a very wide-held uh, belief uh, or a group that believes that's the Scientologists. Now, I don't know if you're aware of Scientology. Tom Cruise is a Scientologist and John Travolta is. And a lot of people are, are ignorant of the beliefs of Scientology. So I want to share with you what they believe today. And then we'll ask a question, is it true? And here's what Scientologists believe. They believe that you need to come to them and you need to pay them thousands and thousands of dollars to go through classes with them to discover uh, who you really are. And, and I'm going to save you thousands and thousands of dollars by telling you ahead of time what they'll have you pay to find out. They're going to tell you that what it is, is all of us have lived past lives. And the reason, like, you're sitting in a restaurant and all of a sudden you go, man, how come I don't feel good? What hit me? Why do I feel like I, you had that bad feeling? The reason is something brought a memory back from a past life you had. And that's why all of a sudden you're wondering, why do I have this twinge of feeling? And what they want you to do is go discover your past life, and they want you to understand all the bad things that happen, and then they want you to wipe those away from you. And then the point is they want to reach you a, a place called clear, where you pay them class after class after class to go back life after life after life, and then wipe it all out. But here's one thing the Scientologists believe we all share in common. All of us at one time were primeval clams. You ready? Every one of you were, and I was too. And the reason you have some of the problems you have is because sand got in your shell, and you remember that. And I just saved you $150,000 by telling you that ahead of time because they won't tell you that up front. Now, some of you go, are you making fun of them? I am. I'm making fun of them, okay? <laughs> you might say, that's not right. I don't care. I think that's ridiculous, and I laugh about it all the time. But uh, here, here's what I want to ask you. Does that really make sense to you? Well, well, I want to tell you who it didn't make sense to is Jesus. And whether you agree or not, you need to know the Bible says something different. The Bible says this in Hebrews 9, 27. It says, inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and then comes judgment. The Bible teaches that everybody lives their life and dies one time. You don't come back again and again and again in all sorts of different case, states or cases. You don't come back to try to get it right. The bottom line is you die one time and then you stand before God and you're held accountable for the life you've lived. Now, now, that's what the Bible teaches and that's what you need to know. Now, I know this might seem odd on a Resurrection Sunday to say the next part I'm about to say, but you can't ignore it if we're going to talk about it. And the thing is, the Bible says that we stand in judgment. Not everybody goes to heaven. So there are those who will go to heaven and those who will not, but everybody will stand and face God. 
And, uh, you know, again, you, you might say, well, what does that mean? Well, well, what it means is, is that some people are called into life with God because they have a faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And then other people won't be allowed to come because they've chosen to ignore him or, or even to show disrespect for what Jesus did. Now, there's a word that's been used, and, and, and I know this is a weird word to use on Easter, but it's the word damned. As a matter of fact, the word damned comes from damnation or the nation of the damned. And there's an incredible group of people who will just choose not to embrace the God who loves them and cares about them and calls them into life. And the bottom line is, it doesn't matter in the end what you believe or don't believe. This is truth according to the Bible. Now, you could say, I don't believe the Bible is true, but I want you to know that God's not put it up for a vote. He hasn't asked your opinion on whether you think this is okay or not. And if you say, I disagree with the Bible, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you really have a valid reason to? If you go, well, I, I just don't think it's true. Well, are you really that great an authority on this? That you're going to go against this? And I, I know that me just saying that's not enough, but I want you to wrestle that through because this is what God wants you to get hold of. Now, again, you might say, okay, Chuck, this is, you know, Easter Sunday and I got my friend here and... But let me tell you that I really mean this out of love. I, I really genuinely do. I do. I'm saying what I say because I care. I have a friend who just went to the doctor and the doctor sat him down and looked at this close, close friend of mine and said, do you know what you're doing to yourself? Do you know that you're carrying so much weight that your liver right now has fat hanging on it and it can't function correctly? Do you know you're so obese that your heart actually has, has fat lobbed on it and every time your heart goes to beat, it's carrying this fat on it. Do you know that you're going to get diabetes? And he went through, do you know what that means to you? It's not just a needle. It's a very severe issue that's going to face you in your life. And you don't even have to have that issue if you would just lose weight. But no, you're carrying around so much weight on your body every step you take. Your knees are feeling the effect of it. You can't sleep. Do you realize that's what's going on? And, and he just painted this picture of this horrible death. And you would say, was the doctor trying to scare my friend into a lifestyle change? Yes, he was. But he was scaring him with the truth. And then he said, but you don't have to live this way. Do you know what? If you would lose the weight, you would have energy. If you would lose the weight, you're, you're, you could run and your body would respond to that. If you would lose the weight, you would have so much joy and you wouldn't have the disease and you would have vitality and you would be able to do the things you dream of. And if you would lose weight, you would sleep better and your wife would sleep better because your snoring is driving her crazy. And, uh, and he went through the whole thing. And you know what I, I thought when my friend told me, I thought, you have a great doctor. You really do. He's trying to get through to you about something. And, uh, and, and we need to know that, that we need to know both sides. You see, the bottom line is, is, is God calls for us to live a life with him, but we have a choice if we want to or not. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he gave you a choice and me a choice. In Revelation 20, verse 11, it says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose presence the earth and the heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged from these things, which were written in the books, according to their deeds. There was a judgment. Everybody will stand there. And it says, and the sea gave up its dead, which were in it, and the death in Hades gave up its dead, which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name, if anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, it says he's thrown into the lake of fire. 
See, Jesus rose so that we would not have that occur. But he gives us a choice. It's not God's desire for that to happen. It's like a doctor who says, I want desperately for you to make a lifestyle change. I was intrigued by this. Another statistic. 85% of people who have a heart attack that almost kills them because of an unhealthy lifestyle go back to their unhealthy lifestyle even with that wake-up call. 85% of people say, man, I'm not going to change even though I almost lost it. And you know, we look at that and we say, that's not what we want for anybody. We want something more. And if you would make the lifestyle change, your life would improve, your quality of life, the amazing life you would have. Now, you're ready for this? God looks at us and says, if you would make a heart change and you would make a life child change and you would embrace the love I have for you and the life I have for you, I mean, it, this would just be incredible. And that's God's great desire. Jesus said in John 10, verse 10, he said, I have come that you might have life abundantly. But listen to how the verse begins. Jesus said, there's a thief who's come to kill and steal and destroy. But I, I have come that you might have life abundantly. See, there's a lot of people today who are not living the life God has for them. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that there's a sadness about who you are. There's a struggle about what you're going through. There's a feeling of emptiness that's there. Deep down, if I were to really peg you, does your life matter? Do you really matter? If you died today, would it really matter in five years? So many people, the answer, I hate to say it's no. And yet God created you to rise to a destiny and to live a life that's amazing. He's called for you to embrace it. He says, but people are being ripped off all the time. And they're getting caught up into things that take away from them. But God always wants to rescue. He always offers a way out. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a sign that stands through time and eternity. It says, come and live, live, live the life I have for you. And it doesn't matter what you're caught up in or how hard it is. He wants you free. Uh, Brian Welch uh, was living his dream. Brian Welch, if you're not aware, was in a band called Corn, And I want to make clear that, that that's what we're talking about. Not Corn, the, the vegetable, but the band. And uh, uh, Brian had started attaining to all the things he wanted to attain. He thought life could not be better, but the problem was in the midst of that lifestyle, that kind of rock and roll lifestyle, was the sex, drugs, the whole bit. His wife became severely addicted to drugs. And uh, their little daughter lost her mom because her mom was a drug addict. And he began to hate that. Brian Welch said this. He said, I don't know if there's anything I hated more I couldn't stand her. He threw her out of the house. He kicked her out of their lives. He says, my daughter didn't have a mom and I hated it. But then he began to take drugs. He began to delve into the lifestyle. And he said this, he said, I became the very thing I hated. I became the very thing I hated. And I looked at my daughter and she didn't have a dad. And I looked at me and I wasn't what I wanted to be. And I didn't know how to get out. I hated it. And then something changed. I want you to listen to Brian Welch in his own words. So in my head, I was like, okay, I'm going to accept Christ in front of everybody right now. Then I'm going to go home and snort drugs until I don't want to do them anymore. And that was my way of thinking. So I received Christ at the church. I went home, neglected my daughter, and put her in front of the TV. I remember I grabbed a $100 bill. I always used a $100 bill for some reason, pride or something. I chopped up my crystal meth and I snorted a big old line and I held the bill and I looked up and I said, Jesus, if you're real like that pastor said, then you got to take these drugs from me. Come into my life. Come into my heart. 
and I just got quiet. I said, search me right now, search my heart. I hit rock bottom. I had swore that I would never do methamphetamines again because I saw what it did to my child's mother. I would spend time with my kid and I would still be on it because I needed it to function. I'd get up in the morning, have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and snort meth and then take her to school or whatever. It was just, I it was a junkie. I started losing my mind. I'm gonna die. My uh, real estate broker, Eric, he, uh, he said, Brian, I don't mean to be weird with you. I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but I, f I felt the scripture like jump out at me. It's Matthew 11:28. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Well, I'm, I'm weary and burdened, and I need rest for my soul. And uh, I didn't know if it was real, but you know, they invited me to church a couple, couple weeks later, and. I had received Christ. I felt so much fatherly love from, from heaven. And it was like, I don't condemn you. I love you. I love you. It was just love, love. And instantly, that love from God came into me. It was so powerful that the next day I threw away all my drugs. And uh, I quit corn. I was like, I'm quitting corn. And I'm going to raise my kid. Because my kid like I got the love from God coming to me and then it came out of me to my kid it changed me my heart was changed like that and I was like Janaya daddy's gonna be home with you all the time I'm quitting my career and her face lit up and she's like for me you know she felt so special and uh, God used her to save me to save her life later on God created Brian Welch before the creation of time knowing that he'd be a dad and he was created to be a dad. Today he understands that's the life he was meant to live and he wouldn't change it for anything. He wouldn't change it for packed stadiums, people cheering and screaming for him because he's discovered that that life made him weary, that life made him tired, that life drugged down on him. He became the very thing he hated. But here's the good news, he didn't have to stay that way. Because Jesus came and lived on this earth, he didn't have to stay that way. Because Jesus taught us a better way to live, he didn't have to stay that way. Because Jesus died on the cross for his sins and his hurts and his pains, he now could be set free in a moment, his heart changed. And because Jesus went into a grave and rose again, that power entered him to change him from who he used to be to the amazing life he gets to live now. And that's for everybody. Nobody has to stay that way. And God's great desire is that you would not come to know that life one day. It's that you would know it now. That eternity would enter your life. Eternal life would be a part of who you are now. That you would experience that. That's God's great desire. That's what Jesus came to do. Look at Isaiah 53. And I want you to catch the all-encompassing nature of what Jesus is going for here. When he says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. I'll take your yoke. I'll take that burden off you. And by the way, so many people today are burdened. So many are struggling with depression. So many families are messed up. So many people are drowning in debt. And, and the Lord says, this is not the life I have for you. So many are afraid of what's coming tomorrow. He said, that's not. And, and so here's what Jesus said. This is a prophecy about Jesus in Isaiah 53. Surely our griefs he himself bore. Stop right there. You probably have heard, if you're new to this or been around a long time, that Jesus died for your sins. Let me tell you, he did. But did you notice where it began here? For your griefs. 
The things that bother you, the pains you feel, he said, I want to take that from you. Why? Because it keeps you from living the abundant life, the incredible life. It goes on to say, in our sorrows he carried. Our sorrows he carried. You know what? I, I know there, there's a lot of pain that goes on in life. There's some of you that you go to a family event and you look around and you think, I've tried. I mean, what else can I do? I just, why don't I fit with my family? Why don't they really care? And you sit in that setting and you look around feeling lonely and hurt and wondering why, why, why is it this way? And it kills you inside. There are some of you parents here, you look at your kids and say, I want to love you. And they just, there's a distance like the, the Grand Canyon between you and them. There are some of you today who you look at, you say, I don't know my dad or my mom. I don't know if they do say anything to me. They just tear me apart. There are some of you who say, I got a brother or sister, but this can't be what it's like. There's so much pain and sorrow going on. And Jesus said, let me take it from you. Let me remove it from you. I don't want you to live this way anymore. And, and that's his great desire is to, to have you begin to live this resurrected life, this eternal life. And it says, he carried, our, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. Yes, he did come to also die for the things that we did wrong and the hurt that we've caused so we could be set free. He was crushed for our iniquities and the chastening of our, for our uh, well-being was upon him and his, by his scourging were healed. It says he came for our griefs, he came for our sorrows, he came for our transgressions, he came for our iniquities. Are you ready for this? When he came, whether you knew it or not, he came for you. He came for you because he loves you. He came for you because he cares about you. He came for you to say, come, and if you will confess your sins to me, I will be faithful and righteous and forgive you completely of all sins and cleanse you completely and make you new and make you life. What did you hear Brian Welch say? He said, man, it's love, love, love. It just started pouring in and pouring in and pouring in. And the great God of God is, I want to do that for every one of you. There's not one person who God doesn't love, not one person that God doesn't care for. And if you're here today, he knows you by name and he knows your heart and he knows your weariness. He knows your joys. He knows your pains. And he says, I couldn't love you more than I do. But let me tell you something else he knows. He knows the life he has for you to live. He knows what he wants you to experience and he wants you to experience in a resurrection power way. And where does it begin? You ready? It begins. Eternity begins by knowing him. In John 17 verse 3, it says, this is eternal life that they may know you, the true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now grab hold of that. He says, where does it start? It doesn't start when you die. It starts when you die to self. It starts when you enter into a relationship with him. And here's the whole point, is that God wants you to know him in a very real way. Not just believe that he's out there. The word know is written in a Greek. Uh, I was in Greek originally, and it was the word gnosko. It means to know by experience. God says, come experience life with me. Come know me. Come be a part of this. Jesus would later on say, let me tell you what I do. I stand at the door and I knock, and I hope you would open up to me so I might come in. And, and then he uses an interesting term. He says, that we might dine together. And you go, wait, what? You want to eat with me? And, he's, and the word dine means to share a loving meal of fellowship. 
He says, I want to feast on life with you. I I want you to share in the deepest parts of who you are. So where does it begin? Well, when you're a believer and you say yes to Jesus, immediately the Holy Spirit enters you and you come to know God as your father and you become to experience him in an amazing way. And you might say, well, you know, I I don't know that I know him that well. Well, in a few days, my grandson Liam's going to be born. And, And you know what? He's heard me preach 35 weeks already since he's been conceived. And plus, I go talk to him all the time. And you know what's going to happen? When he's born, I'm going to walk in that room, and I'm going to talk to him, and it's going to be a voice he's known for months. Now, he won't respond. I'm going to go, Liam. He's not going to go, hey, Chuck, how you doing? You know, and, uh, <laughs> but he's going to know who I am. And when you enter this life, you begin to know God in a deep, intimate way, and you grow to know him better and better and better. Now, you ready for this? When you die, it goes to a whole new level because you don't really die. See, the reality is, anybody who comes to know God, we don't die, we just change places. You get a promotion. This body drops off and you go and enter into a brand new life immediately. That's what happens when someone dies. Jesus, standing before Martha, who was grieving over her brother, said, you don't understand what's going on. And then he said to her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even if he dies, he will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. He said, do you believe this? Do you believe that's what happens to you? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world. And so what the Bible says is eternal life begins in the minute you say yes to him and you know him and you begin to live the eternity you're meant to live. Then when your your body gets done, you go into a whole new process with him that's amazing and incredible and, and, and it's an awesome place to be. And God's great desire is for you and I to get there. Now, I don't know if you're going to get excited about this, but let me tell you one of the best parts of this whole scenario. You and I come to know Christ, eternal life starts, when our body gets done with it, either through the rapture or dying uh, off, then we get a new body. Now, you don't get excited like me. I want the new body. I really do. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this in John 12, verse 24. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, but he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, my servant will be also. But if anyone serves me, my father's going to honor him. Now, what is he saying? He's saying, you know what? The body you have right now is not the body you're going to have. We're going to read more in a second. It's a perishable body, but you're going to get an imperishable one. Uh, uh, My wife, Pam, her all-time favorite. She has two all-time favorite flowers. There's a tie. One is the tulip. She loves tulips. The other is the sunflower, which to me is the sickest, most demented flower ever imaginable. (laughs) Now, I mean, come on. If you like a sunflower here, don't you think there's something wrong with you? No, seriously, it's got this big old head and moves around. You're ready for eyes and a mouth. It's like the little shop of horrors flower. I hate those things. (laughs) Tulips are okay. But let's say that I went into the store and I said, hey, I want to buy a dozen tulips for my wife. And, and, and they go, okay, here. And they walk out and hand me these. I'm like, what are those? These are tulips. Well, they're kind of ugly looking. They even got little legs that grow off of them. Are you sure it's not a sunflower? And, uh, <laughs> and, and you would look at these and go, well, I just want tulips. They go, well, yeah, they're not that much money. I mean, 85 cents, you can get a dozen. I thought, whoa, pretty good. So I go to Pam, hey, honey, I got you tulips. And she'd be like, oh, those are gross. But if we put them into the ground, what do we get? We get tulips, right? And you go, well, wait a minute. Are these tulips? The answer is yes. Are these tulips? The answer is yes. 
It, it, they have to go through a process. See, right now you have one body. I have a body. But, but one day I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to get a better body. And you're going to be in heaven and you're going to look over and go, who's that? <laughs> Dude, he's buff. <laughs> Long flowing hair. He can sing so good. You go, that's Chuck Poor. You go, no, I saw Chuck before. He looked like this. You know, and, uh, and, and, and that happens to all of us. We get this new body. And when do you get it? You get it the moment you shut your eyes on this one. You're going to open yourself to all eternity. The Lord's going to say, welcome, come, be with me. This is what I want for you. It's a father who can't wait to get his hands on you and love you and care about you. I don't know if you knew this. In Zephaniah, it says that God is going to grab you and sing songs of love over you. He can't wait to get his hands on you. And that's his great, great desire. And we need to grab a hold of that. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50, it says this. Now, I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. This body you have can't go there. Nor does the perishable put on imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this, uh, excuse me, but when this perishable is put on imperishable, and this mortal is put on immortality, then comes about a saying. You ready for the saying? Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Now, here's the whole point. Is that if you are someone who's embraced God, your eternity started already. If the rapture occurs, you're caught up with him in heaven. If your body drops off, you just get a better one. Now, it doesn't mean that we're not sad when someone leaves the realm we see to go to a better one. But you've got to understand where they go is better. The Bible says that when you depart, you depart to be with Christ, which is far better. A place of no more sorrow, no more sadness, no more crying. The Bible teaches you don't even get tired when you're in heaven. It does, by the way, teach that you eat in heaven. <laughs> I love that part. And because it's a heavenly body, you don't gain weight. But the bottom line is, it really is what happens. And when Jesus came and lived on this earth, he came to live a life to show us how to live. A life of love. A life of caring for those who are in pain. Of being with the least of these who the world too often ignores. Calling us to live a life of destiny. And then when he died, he died for our sins. For all the things you and I did wrong. And then when he rose, he rose so that you and I might know resurrection power too. Today you watched multiple people die for the last time in their life. They will never die again. They just witnessed it in a very visible way. When they went into that water, they say, I am dying to self and living for you. And when they came up out of that water, God says, you're my child and you're perfect and you're mine and I love you. And when you stand before me, you're not gonna be standing and poor a judge. You're standing before a dad who can't wait to get his hands on you and love you. And everybody who wants that gets it. Everybody who wants it can get it. And there isn't anybody here that God doesn't wanna have have it. Paul talking about this said in 2 Corinthians 5, 6 to 10, therefore always being of good courage, knowing that while we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. And we are of good courage, I say, now catch this, and prefer rather to be absent from this body and to be at home with the Lord. In other words, there's no waiting. There's no soul sleep. There's no billion years. It, it, you immediately go to be with him, never to have to, to go through a life like this again. And verse nine says, therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home, here on earth, or absent with him in heaven, to be pleasing to him. 
For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And God says, you know what? I don't want you to be judged for bad. I want to love you. I want to care for you. But even more, he looks and he says the words like were said to Brian Welch. Are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Is life hard? Is there pain? Come and let it be taken away. And I loved how he said it. It's why we showed it today. He said it was love, love, love that came. And you know what? He got it right that, that second time. The first time he didn't get it right the, when he went home and snorted and talked. You know, it was the second time when he said, yeah, I'm doing this. And then he turned around and all the love that was poured on him, he turned and poured on his daughter. By the way, I was told two weeks ago he led his guitarist to the Lord. It's, it's just going on and on. And you know what his guitarist saw? He saw the life that, that Brian now has. It's bigger, it's better, it's incredible, and it's the abundant life. And the Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, before the foundations of the world were ever laid, God knew you would be born, and he prepared a life for you to live that's incredible. And on Easter, on the Resurrection Sunday, we remember back to the one who made it possible. So here's my question. Are you living that life? Are you living a life where you know God in an intimate way? Where you, he reveals things to you and you share with him and you sense that love and, and the leading and the guidance and the protection and the provision where when a tough time comes, you have a strength that wells up within you that's beyond you because that eternal life, that resurrection power is there now. And if it's not, let me tell you that God wants it to be there. And he says today on this Easter, if you would come and say to me, Lord, take it from me, I'll take it. And I will pour into you love. I'll pour into you life. Now you might say, well, how do I do that? Remember, Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If you would just open up to me, then I'd come and love you. And how do you open up? You say the words, Lord, come in. Lord, come in. And what I'm about to do in a moment, I'm going to go to a time of prayer. I'm going to ask everybody in here to start praying. And then in the midst of that, I'm going to lead a prayer that anybody here who wants to give their life to Christ for the first time or you want to recommit to him, if you would pray that with me, I'm going to ask you to pray it right where you're sitting just to literally whisper the words. I'll help you and lead you so we can say to Jesus, come in. Now, some of you, this will be your first time. And if you sense God calling, I'm going to ask you to say yes to him. And you will then at that moment begin to know him. Some of you at one time knew the Lord, but you don't sense the presence and the intimacy today. And I'm going to ask you to pray with us to come back. But let's go to God right now and pray. Father, on this Easter Sunday, we just praise you for Jesus and who he is, the life he lived, the death he died, and the resurrection that he broke forth in. And he conquered death. And God, we have family members and friends that have now preceded many of us. And those that knew you, God, we know they're with you now. And, and I celebrate the life they're experiencing. But Lord, for us who are here, I know we are here for a reason and we're here to live a life with you that matters. And I pray we would. And Father, I ask right now that you would send your Holy Spirit in this room. I ask, Father, you would begin to stir in here. That we would all sense your presence. Somehow deep inside, we'd know this is the time. And I pray for some the time to say yes. And I pray for the man and the woman today who need to say yes to you, God, they can sense it. 
And they're about to pray those words, Lord, and you're already celebrating over them, knowing they will. For the guy and the girl who need to do that, God, this is their moment. For the one who at one time said, yes, I'm a Christian, but is not living it and is coming back, I know you're ready to welcome them. Okay, all of you who are just seeing this is your moment, God, he loves you, he cares about you, he knows you by name. He's gonna hear your prayer like you're the only one praying it. So let's whisper the words to him right now. Just say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of my hurts, to cleanse me completely, to make me alive, to make me new, and to make me yours. And I say yes. I want this. And I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit. And help me be who you have created me to be. And help me live the life you have for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, praise God for all of you who prayed that prayer. Praise the Lord.